The Highlander Podcast is brought to you by Outdoor Product Design and Development, a four-year undergraduate degree focused on training the next generation of product creators for the sports and outdoor industries. Learn more at opdd.usu.edu. The Highlander Podcast is sponsored by the Utah Outdoor Association, a business association focused on elevating Utah's outdoor industry through educational programming and events. Their membership consists of Utah's outdoor manufacturers, retailers, outfitters, and guides. Member benefits include networking opportunities, recruitment of talent, and brand promotion. More information about volunteering and membership is available at utahoutdoor.org. On this episode, we talk with Matthew Betcher, Creative Director for Allied Feather and Down. We discuss down sustainability and ethical practices, the evolution of supply chains, and the importance of traceability. Hey, welcome back, everyone. This is Chase. And joining me today, Matthew Betcher, Creative Director at Allied Feather and Down. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, not a problem. Yeah, well, you know, we were talking a little bit off air, um, you know, just... um, just, just about down in general, the down business. Um, in, in the previous conversations that we've had in this series, uh, we're talking to brands, um, you know, who are taking these materials and making great, great products. Um, I've been more recent, interested recently in, in the materials themselves. Um, you know, we, we recently talked to Doug Hoscheck, who is the, the creator of Polar Fleece. It's like those are stories that I'm I'm becoming really interested in, and and in a lot of ways is is what's driving the industry forward, right? It's how we use these materials, how we apply them. Um, we were talking a little bit about down's been around forever, but now there's innovations around how do you yeah. apply it on on yeah. a garment or on a product, and um, the application of the material is is where a lot of the innovations happening. So yeah. I'm excited to to talk to you today a little bit about that as well as your background and and the company. Cool. So thanks. Yeah, again. no, excited to be here. Thanks. Um, well, just just uh, you know, we should mention the time the times we're living in. Put a timestamp <laughs> on the conversation. How are you doing in in the midst of COVID and everything that's happening right now? You know, it's, you know, obviously it's affected the industry as a whole, right? And, and, and everybody's pretty well aware at this point of, of what's happening with apparel manufacturing and, and the effect that um, brands canceling orders because of retail being closed, the challenges that that presents upstream, right? So if a brand cancels orders, the manufacturer, the manufacturer doesn't have money to pay these ingredient brands like, like you've talked about, right? And, and um, on, one hand, on one hand, the difficulty is that here we are working with our, with our partner brands um, and really building, really building out our company as a ingredient brand, offering, you know, working with them in marketing campaigns, um, crisis management in our case, um, sustainability, traceability programs, you know, everything. Um, to help them tell a pretty comprehensive story. And so, you know, that requires a lot of, uh, that requires big team, bigger teams. It requires a lot of um, investment on our part. And so when things like this happen, that really, really, really strains that part of our company, right? Um, however, what's really interesting is when this happened, we, we really obviously took a really hard look at our supply chain and how our supply chain could be 
potentially affected by this, right? We, we have facilities all over the world. Um, we have two facilities in China. And so we, we procure a lot of our material in China, process them in China, but we also have facilities in Europe and in Canada and then our headquarters in, in the U.S. Um, and what's, what's really interesting is, is, is having worked with the uh, deep into our supply chain, we have relationships with farmers, we have relationships with the slaughterhouses, we have relationships with everybody as far back into the supply chain, all the way back to the parent farms. So we know where the eggs are being laid and how they're being distributed and, and is in, in where we can. Um, and, and what we've, we, what we saw was really interesting is we actually have a supply chain that's both uh, sort of concurrently localized, um, but also diverse enough that from a supply chain level, what we're going through now with COVID hasn't really affected our supply chain that much, meaning we can get all the material we, we, we want. You know, we can, we can secure material for our brands. Our partners don't need to miss a beat here. Um, and, and so that was a really interesting thing. It's sort of like looking at the, uh, what does a future textile industry supply chain actually look like? And, and, and again, kind of thinking, you know, looking, looking at this and thinking that in fact, this supply chain that we work within for, you know, I mean, Down's been around for hundreds of years. You know, again, it's another one of these elements where, you know, I sort of call it the Occam's razor principle, right? Like, keep it simple. Um, it doesn't take a lot to have these relationships with, with the farmers. And, and, and it builds this, this really strong, robust supply chain. So that's kind of been a really, a really fascinating thing we've been battling. Right. So we've been, you know, battling the the uh, the effects, the financial effects of covid from the brands, manufacturers to us. But but also then looking at, you know, how secure our, our global supply chain is anyway. Well, and then on top of that. Right. Um, you know, trade wars. Uh, yeah. I mean, just just all, all sorts of I, I can't even imagine, you know, the position that you're in. But but interesting to see that. Um, I, I hesitate to say things are stable in your world, but at least the materials are available, right? Yeah, yeah. The, that's that's the irony, right? Like, yeah. From a supply chain perspective, it's fairly stable, right? Meaning, you know, as stable as it can be, right? Because you know what we do is a byproduct. So if right. people aren't eating meat, then our supply our supply goes down. Mm. But this is what what I'm you know kind of what I mentioned about the uh, a diverse localized supply chain. Right. So having facilities everywhere, having sources off sourcing offices in remote parts of the world, we can we can rely more on a collector based supply chain when needed. Right. So mm -hmm. so maybe the industrial farms are reducing have a have a reduced supply because they're not producing as many birds for meat because the demand is down because people aren't leaving their homes, aren't able to shop. Um, and all of that, you know, restaurants closed. Um, well, then we can go to a go to a different supply chain to to procure material. Hmm. And and each one of those supply chains is fairly localized. It it creates both a diversity and a localization, which is which is I think I think where we're gonna be where we're gonna end up after after COVID is is really you know the looking at the importance of localized supply chains. 
Mm. Right. So the, not the reliance on the one big Asian, you, you know, vertical manufacturer. Cause if something breaks in there, you're done. Right. So, you know, from a supply chain perspective, I think these localized supply chains are going to be more important than ever. Right. And yeah. And whether that's a pandemic that causes that disruption or a trade war, or right? A trade war. You know, exactly. It's, it's it, it could be anything, right? There's yeah. any number of disruptions out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, no, actually opened a, we actually opened a whole facility in Vietnam just because of trade right. wars, right? right? Like we realized, wait, wait a minute. We need to, we need to, you know, maybe divest a little from China and into other, other parts of Asia. Um, right. And that was a trade wars <laughs> scenario, right? right? So. Well, I think this would be a good time if you could share, you know, what, what is it that Allied owns as a part of this process, right? You're, you're kind of in between the brands who want to use the down um, mm-hmm. and the farms that are raising, raising mm-hmm. the birds, right? What is it that Allied does in particular in between, you know, that process? There's, there's probably a lot. Um, and, yeah. and what facilities does, does uh, Allied own? You open your own facility in Vietnam. Is, is that a processing facility taking yeah, raw so materials? That's, and- yeah, that's a, that's a raw material processing facility. Um, yeah, but I think to, to answer that a little bit more, I'll step back to, you know, kind of the history of the supply chain a bit. And like, yeah. you know, historically, um, the supply chain has been a network of brokers, right? And so you have, you have these middlemen that are collecting material from... <laughs> These uh, the supply chain and and whether it's an industrial part of the supply chain or or collector based part of the supply chain the industrial s- supply chain you hear like poultry industrial supply chain and you have visions of like North American chicken farms and it's nothing like that right it's mm-hmm. nothing like that this is a this is a pretty ancient supply chain and not a lot has changed um, so. You know, even the big industrial farms are on bodies of water. And even when they're not, they have enough water. I mean, as well as part of our requirement, too, that they have access to water. But even some of these biggest farms I found, you know, are, 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 are also part of a whole other level of a, of, of a, sustainability, a sustainability model where, like, some of our goose farms that we work with in China, some of the biggest ones, are actually housed in orchards. And so the geese are actually fertilizing the trees as well mm. at the same time. So, you know, this is a, it's a really fascinating supply chain. So like, number one, like that sort of, we had to sort of rethink how we think of industrial when we're talking about a supply chain like that. Um, but then going back in, in, in the supply chain, having previously been just a network of brokers, right? So you had down suppliers, which in the past, it was more of a betting manufacturer. Right. And they're buying down from these brokers who are aggregating material from from many regions, many regions, many countries. Um, and what that did is it kind of created a, a, a baseline. Right. It creates creates a sort of like baseline material. And, and, and a lot of the old marketing is based on that. Right. So like Hungarian goose dance considered the finest down in the world because when you aggregate all that material from that region, those birds are really big. There's cold environment. So you're getting very big down clusters, you know, but when you start to really dig into the supply chain and, and that, that's how Allied started. Allied was started by Steve Uresky, our founder. He's still our CEO and very active in the company. He, he started Allied. He realized there was a better way to procure material. 
And so he started working with farms directly, slaughterhouse groups directly. And, and what that did for, for him at the time back in the late 80s was develop a, or, or be able to produce and supply a, a very high level material, a very high quality material with as much sort of price consistency as possible for, you know, these growing brands at the time, North Face and Patagonia and Columbia. Um, and what that has sort of led to is this intimate relationship within the supply chain that allows us sort of unparalleled traceability, right? So we can now communicate that to our partners, to those brands um, and say, look, we can, we'll provide you material from exactly this farm, these farms, and these farms this is where it's all coming. Um, and, and so the, the brands are able to, the de designers are able to sort of recognize the qualitative nature of that, the consistent nature of that, um, so that our material isn't changing rapid, ra drastically from one season to the next. Um, so they can design now more technical pieces more with more precision. Um, and and from, a, from a communications perspective, crisis management communications um, or social compliance, the brands know exactly where the material is coming from. So whether the material's uh, certified or not, we can audit uh, the farms with those brands. Um, and then from a marketing perspective, even we can develop content based on that, right? So, so we are the sort of, we, I, I kind of feel like what we are is, is, is in one, on one hand, we're the sort of middleman now, right? So between the brands and the, and the farms. But what you soon realize is that sourcing is just one half of what makes down a great insulation. So processing is the other half, right? And, and, you know, you look at a down jacket on a shelf that's, you know, $59 over here and $299, $399 over there. Well, what's the difference? And, and, and I would say there is a qualitative difference between the materials that are in those products. Um, and a lot of it comes down to, to, to processing, right? You can have really well-sourced material that can be come from a certified farm for animal welfare, but then how is it processed? And down can be processed in so many different ways um, that it's very, very easy to damage the material. Um, it's a very strong, robust, uh, durable material, but it's also easy to, to damage it if you're using the wrong, the wrong chemicals, um, the wrong heat, on dry, on industrial dryers, that, those, those sorts of things, right? So, you know, what we do is we provide an insulation, right? I don't look at this as, as, as down anymore. I see what we do is, is using what I would consider as the world's oldest insulation and really bringing it into the, 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 the next century, you know, as a insulation that has all of these amazing benefits in and of itself. So right. know, that's a really long-winded answer for what do you do? Yeah, no, well, I, yeah. I think it was really helpful <laughs> because I was, I was kind of asking about, you know, what are the, the, the physical spaces that you work in? Like, what are the, yeah. the hands-on things that you, you do, right? That's like a very right. thim, simplistic way to look at, you know, what do you do, right? right. Um, but I like the way that you took it because a brand, right, communicates trust. And, mm -hmm. and from my perspective, Al, I tries to communicate the traceability, you know, a trust yeah. between you and, and the North Face, let's say, for example, that, 
the down that you're getting, you know, um, meets all of the standards. It's sustainable. It's, you know, it, you, you know where it's coming from and you can trust right. us, right? Right. We're right. vouching for it. Yeah. Um, and not just from an, not just from a, from a traceability or animal welfare perspective, right? Mm-hmm. But like performance. Right. You know, like certain products, you know, if you're putting a subpar insulation in it, you know, you, whoever's wearing that, you know, it, it becomes a, it becomes a risk, right? Um, it becomes a, it becomes a risk. And, and I would think that, I think that the logistics, like what, what I guess you were actually asking <laughs> um, has more to do with our relationships with manufacturers. Right. So, right. right. So we work with brands and develop, develop materials and insulations for those brands and then it's the manufacturers who are working with, we're working with sort of logistically. And, and, and one of the things that, you know, we have facilities everywhere. We have uh, facilities in China, uh, Vietnam, Europe, um, Canada, now a couple in the U.S. Um, and these all serve different purposes, right? We have sourcing offices. So we've, we've planted sourcing offices in really rural parts of the world, both China and Europe, that we know has a very valuable collector uh, supply chain, base supply chain. This is areas of the world where they eat a lot of duck and goose um, and the material in their trash. Their, they basically put all of their trash, their waste out, um, these collector communities that sort of take it back to their villages, separate, um, aggregate from other nearby villages, um, and then sort of move it down the supply chain. And so, you know, we, we have these sourcing offices where we've taught a lot of these collectors how to actually read and write. So, which is, which is kind of a, a nice little side story, right? Like, you know, here we are teaching communities how to read and write. We're basically starting little schools there but it also helps us with traceability. So when they collect those materials from those homes, from those little villages, they can actually make the right notations, make the right, so that when we gather the material and prepare it for processing, we know where everything comes from. Right. Wow. That's really interesting. I hadn't even considered that as a, as a, I guess just another, just, just a service, I, you know, in a way that yeah. you're providing the communities. Um, I think it's also interesting the the company really being um, born to serve the outdoor industry, right? Where down traditionally yep. is home goods, right? Yeah, yep. pillows and sheets and comforters, comforters and all that. Yeah, um, was Allied really the first to go after the performance outdoor market? Pretty much, really. Um, as as far as I know, yeah. I mean, and, and to this day, it's still when you look at when you look at our competition, our competitors, um, you know, and. It, most of most of the most of the down suppliers out there, they're doing you know their 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 business model is making more money on home goods, um, right. and and then outerwear is 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 just a, an afterthought, if mm-hmm. you will, um, and and our focus is completely the other way around and has been since since day one, um, and I think that also leads to different levels of innovation. It leads to a whole different sort of ethos. Um, that I think is really important now. Um, and I think with COVID too, like now more than ever, like people are want to get their money's worth. People are going to, you know, want to know even more so where things come from, even from a safety perspective, um, especially animal byproducts, right? Um, you know, it's something that thankfully, like we haven't, you know, had too much feedback 
from, negative feedback from, but right. it's something that's on our radar. You know, how, how is the consumer going to react to animal byproducts now? Right. You know, it, you know, when COVID, like when everything is settled down, is there going to be a backlash? So we need to prepare for that right. um, as well. And, and, and I'm talking about all of this and a lot of this, I know we're talking about, about allied, but you know, it's also an industry thing, right? I, I think, you know, it's a, it's bigger than just us. Now, are you talking from a, like a disease, disease perspective from animal byproducts? Is it, is that a, a concern from your perspective or, you know, from a company perspective, you know? Well, the actual, actual carrying disease, no, but, um, but perception, absolutely. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like public perception. Um, absolutely. You know, when, when, you know, before when you heard, you know, God forbid every time, like I do two things in the morning, I search the, the news for bird flus potential bird flus. And I search the news for uh, like, like I, I, I monitor all the animal welfare groups. So, you know, my, my mornings, I'm in a usually pretty bad mood, <laughs> but um, we're talking in the afternoon. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, um, you know, it, it's uh, there, there's a public perception um, element of this too. And, and, and that, but that translates into into the product itself and innovation, right? So if there's a public perception about this or a negative public perception about uh, an animal byproduct, how can we, not just from a marketing communications point of view, but how can we from an innovation point of view attack that, right? So that there's absolutely no risk, absolutely no concern, you know, and, and, and the perception is, is, is of, of pure, pure clean, you know, and, and you know, we're, we're actually like, we're actually engaged in uh, innovation development right now for exactly this, you know, sort of anticipating, you know, anticipating this. So how can we increase uh, not just cleanliness, but how can we, how can we increase protection? Um, right. You know, so. Well, you're battling, you know, perception on, on another front, right? Which is sustainability. You know, oh, yeah. and and just you know, fair treatment of animals too, and yeah. and um, you know, from the perspective of you know, people thinking that synthetic materials are the most sustainable option, right? And I'm sure you've got a, you you have this conversation probably every day, right? Yeah. Um, around the benefits of of down and and it being you know a, a more sustainable choice. Uh, do you mind sharing a little bit, you know, why that is? You know, yeah, for those no. who don't know, I know, like we had this yeah. conversation before we recorded, but right. but I think it's important to hit home. Um, you know, that, that, you know, the value of down and the importance of it and, you yeah. know, the sustainability perspective. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> you think, you think my, my description of what we do is long winded. Um, <laughs> I got time. This, this is, <laughs> um, no, it's, um, yeah, I, I, I think I'll start by saying that there's, that there is a value for, for every solution, any solution, right? Um, I, I think that, that synthetic fibers have definitely have, have a home, you know, they have a, they have a place. Um, I don't think there, there are times where down might not be the, the best solution for you. Um, but that said, when you look at the overall environmental footprint of any ingredient, forget down versus polyester, right? When you look at any ingredient, you look at the carbon footprint, down is minuscule. Down is minuscule. There was a recent 
LCA just published by the IDFB, the International Down and Feather Bureau, that showed, and shoot, I don't have it in front of me, but I think it showed that down has 18 times less impact on the environment than a recycled polyester fiber. Wow. You know, and, and that they did not take into consideration the life of a jacket, right? So they were only looking at the insulation and the breakdown of insulation. So um, when you consider then add that the life cycle of a jacket itself, right? You know, you tend to use your down jacket far longer than a synthetic. That synthetic jacket will break down far faster than your down jacket. And there's a, you know, there's also a value proposition people have with it and, and all of that. So, you know, just, just from the numbers alone, it's, it's shocking how small of an impact down actually makes. And, and it, again, it, it comes back to the supply chain. Right? It comes back to the idea that what we're using is a byproduct. We're using trash. Down itself is part of a circular economy, right? Like there's a lot of, you know, like recycled down companies, right? Recycled down is a cool product that, that with new separation techniques, we're able to actually produce a high quality material. There are companies that only supply recycled down that want to sort of push them as the circular option when in fact, down in general, circular in nature. We're taking a byproduct, the big feathers, the big feathers from, you know, from the slaughterhouses end up getting ground for uh, fertilizer for feed and feed um and feed and then the medium feathers will end up going into like furniture those are the ones you curse at when you sit on a pillow and it pokes you in the back <laughs> um and then and then what we get what we get from in terms of down is is a very very small portion so like i think it's on average a, a, a medium-sized goose an average-sized goose will yield about 300 grams of of uh of waste hmm. Out of that 300 grams, only about 24, 20 to 24 grams of that is actual down, right? So even the waste, we're only taking a small part of the waste. Everything else gets used or gets used, but down itself is only a small part of a small part of that supply chain. Um, and and value-wise, it depends on the supply chain, but it's like two to maybe 8% the value of the bird. So there's no financial or no fiscal way you could raise birds just for down themselves. I mean, we have, we have very real animal welfare issues um, that, that involve parent, uh, parent farms where the birds are raised for, to lay eggs and they, they end up living for three, five years. So there's an opportunity in that tiny part of the supply chain to, uh, to engage in the practice of life plucking, which is just like horrific and barbaric. Um, but that only can happen with the white geese, um, with white geese parent farms. So it's, you know, 25% of 1% of the global supply chain, right? Right. Well, and that's another, um, I mean, service, right, from, of Allied, right, is going out and making sure that these yeah. practices aren't occurring, right? Yeah, no, I mean, abs- if you're absolutely. not if you're not doing it right, I mean, you know, right. others will would do it right, but you're you're providing that as a service and ensuring that that it's done right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's even it's even more difficult when you get into issues of foie gras, right? European down. 
Mm. Um, and European duck down and foie gras industry, you know, I mean, these are where a lot of gray area comes in. We, we've take, we've taken a stance probably, uh, what was it, uh, almost 20 years ago now where we identified that we were never going to supply down from the foie gras industry. So long before even these standards, you know, we've, we've taken that sort of, that sort of stance towards it. Right. That, something else that I've I've thought is really interesting about the business that you're in and the material that you provide is in some ways, well, in some ways, the, the outdoor industry thinks about this more than most, right? The, the outdoor yeah. industry obsesses over, <laughs> you know, how heavy is it? What's in it? You know, what's the performance? Um, you know, but but there's a growing number of people who wear performance products not for performance, right? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm one of those people, right? Mm-hmm. I, I wear outdoor gear just to walk around town. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and sometimes don't even think about what's in it. Um, I, I just think it's an interesting, um, challenge I imagine for you and especially in a creative director role, right. Is, is that idea of brand, um, mm-hmm. and how many people buy a jacket based on, you know, it being allied, Right. That, you know, or do they just see North Face and trust that brand? Right. Um, but they're not thinking about who is it that's supplying the, the thing that's really powering this product. I mean, what right. what is that like I, for you? That's probably something that's that my goal right? over all the time. Right? <laughs> that's the goal, right? Like, yeah. you know, that's the goal. Like, and, and, and again, I think we were talking about it uh, offline too, where it's... <sighs> It's about information, and 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 I'm I'm a believer in in people making being able to make informed decisions, right? And and for me, you know what, like my goal and dream would be that that allied mark becomes a a known, recognizable sort of assurance. And we right? know that can happen, right? I mean, like a Gore-Tex sure. has achieved that, absolutely. Right? Gore-Tex absolutely. Is there. Right. Right. Well, which but is, that, which, but that's on the outside, right? So, well, right. That, that's on the outside. And that's a very like unique sort of material innovation textile that nobody else at the time had. Right. right? Whereas down is, it's not, it's a, not a material you created. Right. We're also, and we're also sort of, uh, we're also uh, at the whim of a really unstable commodity. Right. Mm, so yeah. I can't just tack on, 20% for marketing, you know, that's right. something that the synthetic industry is super lucky with, right? Like, right. you know, and, and the, they, they have, a, they have set prices and can tack on, you know, X amount to market against down, right? And, you know, whereas warm is down, you know, and, and I think it's a case, going back to that whole synthetic thing too. It's a case of like, down's been generic for so many years. I mean, forever until really until like 2015, when, when the, when the first responsible down standard certified products hit the shelf, like nobody wanted to talk about it. I remember getting email after email about, Hey, can you remove me from your website? We just got a letter from PETA. And, and now the emails come in and they're, Hey, we got a letter from PETA. I noticed wasn't, I wasn't on your website. Can I put, can I make sure that I get on your website? Hmm which is really a cool sort of shift. Right. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I think that's the goal, right? That's obviously the goal, but, but for me, it's again, it's a little bit bigger picture, right? Like I would, you know, love just for it to be in a, a mark of assurance and comfort um, in performance and then allow 
and give enough information, whether it's through our track my down tool or whatever, to that consumer that, you know, they can make an informed decision. Right? I'm the first one to say, like, if you live a vegan lifestyle, you know, you probably shouldn't be wearing down. You know, just like you shouldn't be wearing leather, you shouldn't be wearing wool, right? Like, don't wear down, but make an informed decision. You know, right. and, and, and that's, yeah. Well, it seems like, uh, at least where you're kind of, you're, you're B2B, right? The, you know, the big companies, they want that label of assurance, right? But yeah. it seems like more and more with, with the consumer becoming even more savvy and more information being at yeah. everyone's fingertips, right? Yeah. That badge of, you know, that label of assurance is going to be passed down, right? And the consumer well, and, is going to want to demand that. And there's no such thing as B2B anymore. Everybody's B2B. Right. Yeah. Because right. of that, right? right. Like, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I, I can go off for hours on why the, the death of B2B, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, you know, and it's exactly for that. Everybody wants to know exactly where their, every element comes from. They want to know about the zippers. They want to know about the fabrics. They want to know about the insulation, whether it's the brand telling the story or the ingredient brands telling the story for the brands. Um, and that's where I think the model is a lot different than Gore-Tex, right? Than a, than a performance textile like a, like a Gore-Tex um, because it is, so, it is so complex, our supply chain. There are so many complexities to the material, to the complexity, to the, the way it has been marketed for, for so many years that, that, um, that I think, you know, I can't expect every, even one of our partners, let alone their sales associates, to know as much about down as we do. Right. So it's I feel like it's our goal to present ourselves as a platform to help educate those those consumers. Right. Yeah. Again, one more, you know, value that you're offering is the education. I was just looking through the website, right? And the down one oh one and the, the traceability tool, which I wanted to yeah. get into. Um, you know, that becoming something pe- that people are demanding, right? Um yeah. is yep. how do I find out for myself where this material is coming from? I don't want to rely on the brand telling me where it's coming from. Like I want right. to know I want to know for sure, you know, from someone independent or semi-independent, right? Yep. Um, yeah. Um can you talk about that tool a little bit? Yep. Um it's trackmydown.com, trackmydown. is that right? Yep. Trackmydown.com. It's um yeah, so we so years years and years ago Allied had set up an entire like an entire backend connected backend system. We were connected to all of, all of our facilities global are connected to it. Um, and what it did, it allows us to bring material in, file the material based on the documents that we have from where it came. And then, and then it enters this automated database, right? And, and processing down is a bit like winemaking and that it's hardly ever single origin. Right, like there are cases where it, where it can be, but most of the time it's like we're taking a little bit of this and blending it with a little bit of that to hit a very precise metric that's required by the by the brands, um, you know. And so it becomes super complicated. But with having it all with this internal database, uh, makes it very easy for us to, in case at the time, in case of uh, of animal welfare attack or in case of, uh, of of any other sort of issues, quality animal welfare, we could go back and, and with the brand and kind of review exactly where that material came from, where there may or may not have been issues, why there's not an issue over here. Um, and so really, it, it became a, a case of like, well, why can't we just skin this for, for a consumer? All the information's right here. 
Um, and we sort of strategically launched it in fall 15 with the, with the, uh, with the first RDS certified products hitting the shelves, right? We, we built the RDS with North Face, uh, gifted it to Textile Exchange in 14, and then we knew the products would be hitting the shelf in fall 15. Um, and for, for, for me, what's important about these standards, these, these sourcing standards, is that, that, they, um, that they kind of help act as insurance. So now you can talk about the material. And so now we can apply this tool to it. I'm not painting the target on our partners' backs. Um, and we launched with sort of three or five strategic partners back, in that, back then. And now we're up to, I think, 150 different partners and retailers worldwide have adopted it. And that's when it starts getting exciting, when retailers start adopting it, wanting to put the, uh, wanting the ability for their customers to be able to track the down on their site. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so that gets that's that's when it that's when it starts to uh, starts to get fun seeing the seeing the growth of that. When we launched, it was just again, it was one of those assurances, right? Like you know, the cynic in me, the cynic in me said, like when I was asked the question, well, how many people are actually going to use it? And I would look people straight in the eye and say, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Sometimes you just attach that hang tag, you attach that communication to a product. And the consumer goes, oh, okay, cool. Right. If, if they're going to show me they can do it, they must be able to, we're solid. Right. Right. Yeah. So that, that, that's the cynic in me. Right. Um, you know what? The, the reality, we can't keep up with the traffic um, on the site, which is, which is a good problem to have. Yeah. So, that, um, that's amazing. Yeah. And so it'll, it'll be exciting. Yeah. It'll be exciting where it's going. We're, we're working on a, on a big update right now. So. So, and, and to give people an idea of what they would see the process, yeah. right? Like they'd take the product that they're purchasing. Yeah. There's going to be a label on there and a lot yep. number. They yep. put that lot number in on the website and yep. it would show them. It shows map, them where they show them just kind of a process of. Yep. It shows everything, right? It shows them where the material came from, the regions it was collected from. Um, it explains the processing a little bit. Um, it shows them verified things like verified fill power numbers. So if you're buying an 800 fill power jacket um, or 700 fill power jacket from Peak Performance, for example, or 800 fill power jacket from Eddie Bauer, you go on and you see that that 800 fill power jacket is actually tested at 850. Um, and we explain we and 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 again, as I see it, less of a traceability tool tool than an education tool, right? So right. we're explaining exactly what fill power means, right? What, what is fill power and why is it important and what does it mean? So when you see, and you know, and why is it important that we always overship? Because material can get crushed in shipping and the manufacturing process. And so it's our goal to have that as close to that marketed number as possible. Things like cleanliness, cleanliness numbers, cleanliness metrics, a full content analysis. So you see exactly how much down, how much residue, how much broken feather is in every single lot in the jacket. And, 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 and then we also talk about, um, which isn't necessarily based on the single lot, we talk about migration, right? Like you might see, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a little fiber poking through. Here's what to do. It's not a big deal. It's a natural product. This is going to happen. Color. Why are you seeing, maybe seeing a slightly darker spot than, than another? And, you know, the, the overall experience that we're trying to give the consumer through the tool is one that allows them to dig as deep as they want 
geek out as much as they want on the finer details of the material, but also but also featuring uh, featuring the sustainability of the tool, of the of the installation as well, right? So here's what separates this insulation from another, right? Well, I'm I'm interested in on the designer side of, of education, you know, especially yeah. considering you know the program that that we're a part of, um, you know, we're trying to train the next generation of designers to be better than the previous generation, right. and and not just go out and make more stuff. We've got plenty right. of stuff. Right. Um, but how do they go out and make product that that's meaningful and matters? Um, and in order to do that, you have to get into the details, right? And uh, you have to dig deep and, and understand like all these designers yeah. have to become technical designers, right? To understand million, and make million, educated decisions. Yeah, no, a million percent, right? Like the more, you know, about the materials that you work with, the more that you can actually make a more interesting, a more interesting product. And right. Down's a perfect example of that, where it's just like the notion of fill power is, is, is really interesting because traditionally a higher fill power would be considered a better quality material. And to some right. degree it is, right? It has, has a higher warmth to weight ratio, period. But that's because the down clusters are bigger. But when you look at the ability or, or you look at the desire to build more uh, different products, right? Whether it's a four season down piece or, um, or just design principles, right? Like, uh, and, and, and manufacturing techniques, right? Like we were working with a partner of ours who was making these jackets with these tiny, tiny baffles. The baffles were small, maybe three eighths of an inch, tiny, tiny baffles in certain parts of it. And the idea was one of, uh, of a sort of heat mapping exercise, but because it was their, but because it was their, uh, their sort of expedition line uh, sub-brand, um, they had a thing in their, in their charter or whatever, their guide brand guidelines that this expedition line would not use anything less than 800 fill power down. So what, what was interesting about that is the 800 fill power down just simply choked itself in these. And so we were able to help them create a much higher performing product with what would generally be seen as a lower quality down. Again, understanding the f- details of the material themselves to really maximize their value, performance, and, and precision. And that's, you know, we were talking a little bit about that before we jumped on, uh, you know, the idea that down is now being used as a, as a precision insulation and not just as, a, as something to fill a giant puffer. Right. Is, is really fascinating. Well, I think that's what, I, I don't know, the perception of down, right, is a oh, big yeah. puffy jacket, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And those are cool too. They are cool. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, and maybe this ties into kind of the next question, um, the future of down. Do you, yeah. do you see the future being more that precision, precision application, like understanding, you know, targeted down yeah. on a jacket or, you know, piece of gear more than more is better? Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely spot on. I think it's. I think the future of down is is based upon a, a higher understanding, of, a better understanding of down, and being able to maximize um, maximize maximize the the material to a much much greater degree. But also taking a look at some of those things within the material that we might see as negative features of it, and how do we use that as a potential positive how do we spin you know 
we battle all the time with static electricity in down. So down is fascinating. Like down is, is, a, is a keratin. So it's like our hair. So when we talk about cleaning down, it's like washing our hair, right? Like mm. we, use a, we use a soap. We don't want to strip it of the fat and oil completely, but we want it clean, right? So that's how we think about it. But like, you know, it's also, it's also it also is, you know, can you, you can get that static electricity in your hair and you see what it does with it, right? So um, things like that, like we battle so much, we spend so much time and energy removing it. Well, maybe, maybe the future is how do we work with those elements, right? Like how does that become a natural sort of, uh, you know, thermal regulating principle? Um, you know, so ideas like that. Is there anyone out there that you see that's experimenting with down in, in interesting ways and is kind of taking pushing the pushing the material in, in ways you haven't seen before? I guess who's who's doing it yeah, in I mean, interesting unfortunate, ways? Unfortunately, all the interesting stuff is under NDA. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's true, right? <laughs> I, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. And and you know, when you look at when you look at the the, the recent history of down, right? You know, it, it was like it wasn't until like, you know, the late nineties when lightweight down like was really a thing right and then in 15 with the response with the certifications the standards a lot has changed since then and so we sort of see this this like really strong steep curve on uh, on innovation from a design development manufacturing um side of things so you know I, to answer your question, I'm not so sure if there's anything currently on the market that I would point to and go, see, it's that. Um, but there's a lot of cool stuff being worked on. Mm. So stay tuned, I guess. Stay tuned. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I can dum, do that. Dum, dum. Um, well, <laughs> with, with that, I guess maybe one more question for you um, before we wrap up, you know, for aspiring product creators, especially where we're in that position of trying to, you know, train this next generation and mm -hmm. give them access to tools and educate them and, and prepare them to, again, go out and do more than just make more stuff that we mm -hmm. don't need. Mm -hmm. um, what, what would you, what do you want those designers, aspiring designers uh, to understand about down? What, what do you want them to know about it? If there's like one takeaway, you know, I, I won't even, I won't even like, keep this to down, mm. you're right. Like, but in general, in general, I think it's keep it simple. Like Occam's razor. Sometimes the, the, the best solution, whether it's a performance solution, a sustainability solution is right in front of us. Right. And, and with that, you know, it's, it's that understanding that I want, I would love to see more of right from, from future product developers. Um, if I see another, another polyester-based synthetic fiber claiming to be more environmentally friendly, right, then what? Then before, okay, fine. It's still going to end up in the ocean. It's going, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm just going to explode, right? Like, you know, like, you know we're as light as down and we're more, we're more sustainable than we were before. Okay, you know? I read an article recently about an innovation uh, that a brand was claiming or working on and, and, and they were working, I forget, I forget um, to develop this, this, uh, this synthetic insulation that there was a combination of synthetic and down, but done in, done in such a way. And the article described their development process 
And the funny thing was like, you get to the end of this and it sounds like a cool, a cool sort of innovation. And you get to the end of this and you realize that their solution to be higher performing and more durable was ultimately substituting more of the synthetic for down. <laughs> right? It just so, is down, right? Yeah. It, you know, I mean, you know, there's a time and place for, for everything, but it's that, right. it's that outcomes razor principle, right? Like right. sometimes it's right there, you know, and just and outcomes, that outcomes razor principle and, and, and kind of know your shit, right? Like know what you're working with so yeah. that you can maximize its value and performance. Right. No, I love that. I, I think that's a, a great place to wrap it up. I could keep going. This, this is fun. Um, you know, just to talk about the material and, and where you see things going. Um, you know, if people want to engage with Allied, um, what, what's the best way to do that? I, you know, experiment with the tool, traceability, learn, yeah, you know, experiment. on Allied's website. There's Go a to, lot of yeah. resources. It looks like you guys are putting out there. Yep. Yep. Go to our new website. Um, we're adding more information every day. It's going to be a super comprehensive uh, tool um, to learn more. So that's great. Well, yeah, thanks for taking time. Out. This is great. And again, like I like getting down to the material level because it just seems like that's where the exciting things are happening, right? It's like style yeah. changes every year, but that doesn't change really exactly. what this thing does for me. Right. Um, it's how the material's applied and constructed. And it's, you know, that's where it gets exciting for me. And, so. and it gets us out of the fast fashion circle. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I love that. Well, cool. Matt, thanks for taking more time. I, I appreciate nice. it. Um, Thank you. you know, you're, you're busy. You've got a lot going on, especially now. So <laughs> right. thanks for being willing to yeah. chat for a little bit. No worries. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to the Highlander podcast. Subscribe and listen for more outdoor stories and content wherever podcasts are found on HighlanderMag.com and each Sunday at 4 p.m. on Aggie Radio, 92.3 FM in Cache Valley.